The boxes that are supposed to help us understand one another ultimately wedge us further apart. Even worse is that we rage against the artificial divisions the boxes create, claim that we are more complex and complicated than how we're defined by others, and then turn around and stuff the next person we meet into one and tape the lid shut. And then, as if the indignity of life isn't enough, when a person dies, we cram what's left of them into one final box for eternity. Sean David Hutchison. Welcome to the Lost Traveler podcast. I'm your host, Henry Cameron Allen. And we're wrapping up a series for Indigenous Peoples Month, which was November, but now we're into December. And we've had so many incredible guests that uh, we just wanted to keep the conversation going. And I thought, what a great opportunity to bookend this brief series with the people who started it with me. That's Chief Mide of the Pembina Chippewa. And it's my dear cousin and friend, uh, Sherry Rose Cardinal as well. Welcome back. Yeah, it's great yeah. to be here again. Yes, thank you. Uh, from Miss Cozy Quay, I'm Ms. learning Cozy to Quay. say that. Yes. yes, I'm learning to introduce myself. That's wonderful. We uh, we're we're bonding as cousins, as family, as tribal members, and uh, we've had such wonderful conversations, the three of us. And a topic came up recently that I think uh, would be really great to bring to this forum because a lot of people are feeling disconnected right now and out of whack. And we've been talking about finding balance and finding grounding as, a, as an essential universal life skill that uh, some of us are more well-versed in than others and of course, the purpose of this podcast is to bring together people who have wisdom that can give our listeners around the world practical tools that they may want to try or, or apply to their own lives. So I'm excited to uh, get into it with the two of you. Incidentally, if you want to hear a little bit of their biography and backstory, listen to uh, episode one of our series, um, uh, because it's all in there. Go back and listen to that if you haven't yet. Uh, and it's also in the description for this episode. Uh, you know, this is a topic I actually been thinking a lot about today or in the last couple of days. I, 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 if anybody who knows me know that I, that I'm consistently busy and perhaps, you know, from an outside perspective, you would say, man, how does he deal with all that stress? Right. Every so day I, I ask myself that question. But. Yeah. Like how, how does this happen? But I think that it's important to understand, well, it's, it's more important how you deal with the stress than how you think another person's dealing with their stress and in finding balance. For me personally, I think that many people, just like you just said, are feeling that something's off, something's wrong. Maybe they're not on the right path, but the path they're on is, is a path of boxes. You know, we, we, we live in a box called a house. We eat at a box called a table. We sleep in a box called a bed. We get into a, we, we watch the light box called a TV or the phone. We get into a mobile box called a car to go to another box called an office where within boxes we're moving around. And so when you're in that space, it's really difficult to find objectivity. And so I think that it's first important to recognize that 
the path you're on is between boxes. So how do you, how do you step out of the boxes? That's great. Well, and Zoom is, is another box for those that are working virtually or connecting with family and friends via Zoom. It's another yeah. series of boxes, isn't it? That's right. Uh, it is. The way I, uh, as a stress management coach and therapist, uh, the way I deal with stress is to touch the earth in some fashion. Um, to make sure that I step outside those boxes. In fact, one of the themes of my counseling is learning to color outside the lines, learning how to move outside the lines or the boxes to replenish and revitalize yourself from the energy and the spirit that the boxes seem to take away or drain from you. Um, so one of the things I do every day is go outside and touch, touch the earth, make sure that I get some outside time. Um, sometimes just even between sessions, if it's a particularly raw session or difficult or highly emotional, I'll go outside and put my hands on a tree and see things, see the stress going down the tree trunk and into the roots and spreading out into the earth and let the earth uh, purify it again and it comes around and those kind of visualizations it's a mindset stress management is a mindset um, and you have to find kind of your own rhythm what works but we aren't made to live in boxes uh, that's not that's not humanizing it's dehumanizing and we need to learn how to relate and have a relationship with the earth and the animals and the sky and everything outside that is creator's creation. Because um, when we're living inside the boxes, we are detached from the rest of creation. And after a while, that takes a huge toll. You know, that you, what you're saying is absolutely true. Uh, you know, I have a, a my father. It's no no surprise to anybody. I have a father who's been incarcerated my whole life, and you know, living in a box. And in that box, there's a few things that you you notice that are that you're not able to do in your box at home. Just a few things, such as you know, we we bring plants into our boxes, into our houses, and we also bring animals, whether they're cats and dogs, birds, even some people bring mice, but uh, you know, hamsters, gerbils, you know. And, uh, and we why do we bring these? We bring children and families into these boxes because for some reason they make the space feel alive and they, it makes it feel like home, right? But what are we really trying to do? There's something in us that says we need that connection. And if anyone ever wants to know their true nature, then get an animal because there are animals all around you outside of nature that, uh, that are there for you, but we, we feel lost in our boxes. So we get that cat and get that dog and somehow everything seems to balance out right because we were meant to be we were we were meant to be in in our best sphere our best circle is in in that of service to others we see it with our families with our children with our animals and so one of the things that i do is i is i try to take take a moment to be obje objective about what is it that might be missing from within my box and if it's missing in your box then get out of your box and go get it whether that's like what, what Sherry just talked about was 
and going out into nature, right? Or bringing nature into your home. Stories are at the very heart of what makes us human. We each have one, and we can learn and grow from listening to each other. The Listen podcast is an exploration of the stories of Americans abroad and how they got there. If you're curious about the world and hungry for community, check out their website at www.thelistenpodcast.com or their Facebook group at the Listen Podcast Community. You know, in the last episode, we talked a little bit about Waldorf schools and how the children have, in every classroom, there's a nature table. And the children spend a lot of time outdoors and they find little treasures to bring in. Maybe it's a beautiful leaf or a stone or a stick that looks like a swan or a root or something. And they place it on the nature table and make it beautiful in their space. I think that's a practice that can be really balancing and, and uh, you know, just sort of cleansing and, and grounding for, for anyone, adult or child to incorporate that as a practice in your home. When I was in boarding school for high school, I always dreamed about having a t-shirt made, which I still may do someday. Uh, and it would say too big for the box. In fact, that's my Skype name. <laughs> too big for the box. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, we, we, everything from like what you said, Sherry, Miss um, Kozikoy about, uh, drawing outside of the lines, you know, even down to coloring books, we sort of impose that box on, on children, right? To color inside the lines. And we don't ever stop doing that. When we look at corporate America and we look at cubicles, right? You could be have a, a floor of 100 or 200 cubicles where you have employees who work together side by side, sometimes for years, not knowing anything about the people they're working with, not building relationships or trust. So it even bleeds into, from your personal space into your workspace. So I think this is a really important conversation to have, especially during this global pandemic, where many people have been confined to their boxes. Right here in Spain, uh, during the first lockdown, if you left your house, and you were seen by the police or reported on by a neighbor to the police, you'd be fined up to 600 bucks for leaving your box, right? Mm -hmm. So this is, boxes are a really important conversation to have in terms of life skills. So I really appreciate. Um, I was just connecting what Henry said about, you know, the discontent and the, uh, the distance and disconnect that we feel through the pandemic, and I was thinking about your dad. Um, what, prisons don't help people. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've worked in a prison. I understand uh, in jails and things, and they really don't help people. They dehumanize them and you know, expect them to go someday back out on the street and be able to pick up where they left off. And that's just not possible. And I see the same thing in people regarding the pandemic and the lockdowns that once you start to lose that connectedness to others, uh, to nature, to animals, to whatever, it's twice as hard to pick it back up. 
and the frustration and the depression and the anxiety that people globally are feeling uh, because of what's been going on with the pandemic. And it, uh, there's no end in sight. Um, so it's not like you can say, okay, well, this is only temporary and next month I will be able to whatever. Um, it's perpetual at this point. And it's very dehumanizing, very stressful because we are created to live in community. And, and that's just not socially how we are or politically how we are even. We're so disconnected. So I think it's important that whatever we teach, whatever we talk about to people includes some level of connection. You know, even to compliment the waitress, boy, you're, you know, you're sharp today, you've, or you got pretty sparkling eyes or whatever, that's a connection. And it's an energy that we put out to each other. And I think um, that's a lost art. I see a lot of meanness, um, a lot of hate, a lot of, you know, pointing of fingers. And that just further stresses us, divides us, and makes us depressed and or anxious. Uh, yeah, I absolutely think that, that there's a lot of that going on. There's these two, I think there's these two paradigm, paradigms that are running parallel to each other. And one of those is how we view ourselves, correct? And the other one is how we view ourselves with others. And, and when I say others, not just other people, but the nature that surrounds us, you know, the, the, tr the trees and the water and the wind and the sun and, the, and even the insects interacting with the different, uh, you know, the, the, everything that surrounds you, the birds and, and feeling a balance. But, you know, you know, you start this journey here on the earth as yourself and, and then you're going through this path where other people are trying to tell you about yourself. But the reality is at some point you got to know who you are. And you have to find what works and fits for you, not what somebody else tells you is the path or the, the stream of boxes and the stream of paper that's going to get you happy. Happy has to start inside you. And it's a journey that only you can take. And I think that people got lost in the happiness of what other people, the checklist of what other people told them would make them happy until this pandemic came, caused you to, to take a step back, to reflect and say, am I really happy? And I think a lot of people are right now standing on that precipice of, am I even happy with myself? Mm -hmm. Oh, totally well, agreed. And that's trained. That's trained from early childhood, right? The more you hear something, the more you're apt to believe it. And when from the age when we can understand language, when you have a, an authority figure, be it a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, standing over you, telling you what you are, who you are, a guidance counselor in school telling you who you should be or what you should do with your life. You hear those messages over and over again. It's really hard once you've reached adulthood sometimes to break through that box or all those boxes telling you who you are. I've had that feeling of everyone claims to know me. Everyone claims to know Henry, Cameron Allen, they know who I am. They really know him, right? But nobody bothers to stop and ask me who I am, right? My grandmother had a, a wonderful saying. Uh, she used to say, um, 
Oh God, she had so many sayings. What was the one that I was just thinking of? It just went out of my head. Oy vey. <laughs> Oy vey. <laughs> no, she used to say that when you label yourself this, that, or the other thing, you're opening up to everyone else's interpretation of what it means to be you. When you're putting yeah. that label out into the world yourself, when you're talking me day about about self-awareness and self-knowledge and, and self-definition, uh, whatever you come up with, be mindful that the way you present yourself to the world is the way the world is apt to perceive you, right? What she used to say was, let your name be labeled enough. Let them get to know your good name. People should smile when they hear your name. Because if you are, are projecting your good name, that means you have had you're a clean drop of water, right? You, you have had that opportunity to, to cleanse yourself and to define yourself on your own terms by your words and your actions in the world. And that will resonate farther than, than people realize, I think, sometimes. What would you both uh, say are some practical ways that people can break those cycles, burn those old tapes that are on constant replay in their heads well, the voices outside themselves saying this is who you are well i think i think one of the one of the first things that that you can do is to is to take some time to be alone and be okay being alone and get outside your box and be alone now i'm not saying take a vacation and get on a, a, a plane through the sky and go somewhere fantastical okay you can walk across the street sit in the park and feel the wind and 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 hear the birds and see the little critters flying around and the squirrels staring at you like you're who's this crazy person trying to steal my nuts and uh and just really think about who am i who am i ask yourself do i know myself and am i seeking self-improvement for myself or is it for somebody else and if it's for somebody else then you need to evaluate is that is it worth it and and then and then secondly surround yourself with an environment that uh is uplifting to that that person that you that you know you are and if it if it if the if the people you surround yourself are 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 not supportive of that then you you gotta you gotta change your environment now for example if i'm if i'm a hunter gatherer ten thousand years ago and i'm wandering around and i end up where it's cold the weather changes and it's cold i don't just sit there and go gosh i'm cold i move to where it's warm okay don't be afraid to move where it's warm. And that's, I'm speaking metaphorically. Kindness is the power and peace. The greatest thing you could ever do is be kind. And so if you're not surrounded with kindness and you're, and you're surrounded with control, control is fleeting. You know, kindness is enduring. And sometimes that control is disguised. We see that a so, lot in social media. <laughs> yes. And so something I do is I'll let my battery on my phone go all the way down to about 10%. And I, and I do this with intention. And then when it's about 10%, I disappear. I go straight into the woods knowing full well that it's going to die. And then when it dies, you have a moment where you have to make a decision. Do I turn back because I need that connection with other people? Or am I going to move forward because it's more important, my connection with myself and the environment and the creation around me? Now, I promise you, if you push through that barrier and you escape those strings and you find, you'll find a new attachment and it's who are you supposed to be before these systems were set up? Then when you walk back into that system and you know you're walking back into a system, right? 
What are you going to do differently this time? Shadow and Light LLC was established by Dave Roberts and Reverend Patty Farino, co-authors of When the Psychology Professor Met the Minister. Their mission is to empower individuals to transcend life challenges by integrating spiritual practices with psychology to achieve peace. They are available for individualized spiritual counseling, virtual or in-person presentations and workshops to universities, organizations, and other interested groups, virtual or in-person book club meetings. For further information, go to psychologyprofessorandminister.com. One of the things, especially this week, it's been clear to me, after being in lockdown for almost two years, uh, my family's in Massachusetts, and I hadn't seen them in almost two years. And the last time I saw them was for a funeral. So it wasn't like, you know, we had other things we had had to focus on. And I've been feeling so disconnected and so alone because I live alone. I'm slightly elderly. Um, so it was, it, it was nasty, awful. And so finally this week I came back and I grew up here. And what I've discovered in coming back, especially this time, that I see this place through different eyes. The person I was when I lived here was imposed on me. Uh, not out of malice, but I was adopted and my heritage knowing about it and learning about it was denied to me. And here I am in a city in Massachusetts where that heritage is paramount. It is the number one thing, the Nipmuc nation around here. And when I lived here, I didn't know anything about it. Nothing, nothing. And it's only in the coming back with adult eyes, with a sense of who I am, not even knowing my tribe or, you know, but a sense, an inner sense of knowing that I bucked, you know, being told I was European and I had to do things a certain way and dress a certain way and look a certain way. And when I veered from that, the punishment was kind of severe. And now I'm coming back to that as a, a grown woman, um, with new eyes and I see myself for who and what I really am. And I'm able to live that from the inside out. And I found in the past week, a true sense of joy and happiness that here I am back where I started, but bigger and better because now I'm really who I am. And there's no one telling me that you can't be that way. And that's the difference between health and dis-ease, I believe, is living from the inside out and really getting down to your own heritage, your own genealogy, your own sense of knowing and shutting out the noise. Shutting out the noise. Because I know when I go back to Texas, I won't be able to stay there because there's noise there. I'm going to have to come back here 
which is what I was hoped for, but um, it's important that I'm surrounded by people that love me, care about me, and will let me be who I really am. That is so critical. So I have a question about that. Okay. As you know, we have listeners in 30 countries and growing around the world. Okay. There are places, there are cultures in the world that actively prevent what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. There are communist countries, dictatorships, uh, religious fanatic, you know, governments that, that are all about control, all about uh, telling people who they can and cannot be. I've lived in some of those countries. I grew up in some of those countries and it was shocking to me being an American, you know, and having my own personal family culture, but not growing up in America, um, that there was such a, a, a deliberate control uh, to, to, to keep people from themselves. Uh, parents couldn't trust their children and vice versa. Otherwise they'd be reported to the government if they said one thing that was off, you know, the teaching and whatever they that's were. That's happening. Yeah. Talk about that. And, 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 you know, and so I think that, you know, I've had the opportunity uh, uh, to have some experience, uh, you know, throughout Asia and Europe and, and then also the, the amazing experience that people who have the convenience of being born in a in a in the United States or Canada or or perhaps a, a what they call mm -hmm. a, a Western society, you know their 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 birthplace is a is a convenience that others don't share because of things that occurred around the world that made these invisible lines called borders that are that are more stuck in the heads than they are in reality, and where they take a, a you know a river a, a, a mountain a a grass field or a forest or, or water. And they say, well, now there's the us and there's the them. And then for some reason, when you're a part of that us group, which is again, you know, the convenience of those born in great places tend to have great outcomes and the inconvenience of being born in the wrong place at the wrong time in the, in the wrong uh, uh, economic or governmental structure, you know, it really limits your options. And so, yeah, it's easy to say, be true to yourself. It's easy to say, find your path, but it's really hard when you wake up and you're, you're, you're in a box in a cell, right? And your life then becomes this life sentence. You're just trying to survive and make it through, right? But that's, that's you know, go ahead. Sorry. But that's, that's, the, that's the thing that the dilemma that we as a global community have to address, just like we do in our local communities. When we, set, when we saw in the last century, children and families suffering. And the majority said, well, this is not right. And they stepped in to try to balance that load. Internationally, there has got to be uh, an awareness and an awakening that what's occurring to women and children that are that are the same eyes and then and the, and the, and the same, uh, the same um, uh, truth as you, that they can express that and experience that. And, and so when will that happen, I think, is the big, the big question, because if we're talking about from a Western perspective, we're being ignorant mm -hmm. to the reality of two thirds of the world that are dealing with a daily prison sentence. And so in that prison sentence, it's more than just like they told me in boot camp, just survive lunch to lunch, right? You know, breakfast to lunch and lunch to dinner and then sleep. Well, you know, a human can't do that forever. 
And you wonder why the life expectancy is so low in some of these countries. And so there has to be an awakening about how, how do you speak in, about finding yourself in those locations and what can we do to help? Exactly. Uh, and that's what I was getting to is that this, this trip this week has allowed me to really understand the importance of that message. And when I look at the world and look at the rage and look at the anxiety and look at the depression that so many people live with day to day, it doesn't matter what country, it's there. And we fight against each other um, because life is dehumanizing in the way that we approach it. You talk about the borders and living in Texas, I'm very familiar with the border issues. And, and how do you, you know, come to terms with the fact that people are flooding to the United States? But I understand it. But there's other people that can't get to the United States. So the message has to, and that's why I love this podcast. The message can get out and we can share that. And hopefully others will keep sharing it and sharing it. And we can find a solution to the dilemma that uh, to humanize life in some fashion, because that's what makes us sick. Yeah. Um, I know that a lot of people try to immigrate to the United States because of that single line in the Constitution that we have the inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That doesn't exist in two-thirds of the world. Right. And so, and, and dare I say it, <laughs> I don't believe that America is living up to that promise living yeah. up to those inalienable rights. And I don't think that they ever have. I think that those rights were inspired by the indigenous people of Turtle Island who were there for thousands of years before the Europeans arrived, before the British arrived and the Dutch arrived and the French arrived, right? And, yeah. and so that concept is freedom the right to self-definition, the inalienable right, that this is your birthright to self-definition. Every human being on the planet has that birthright to self-definition, to live your life on your terms. Liberty, meaning the freedom to, to choose the path that you feel called to and that calls from you. And the pursuit of happiness, it doesn't promise happiness. But the fact that you, you know, go on an adventure that's and right. spend your life as an adventure seeking right. happiness on your terms, your definition right. of happiness, that's, what, that's the draw, I think, of America. And it's the whole streets are paved with gold thing. It's not true. Listen up. How can a sock, a patch, or an insole help so many people live their best lives pain-free, balanced, and strong? Scientifically speaking, there is a proprietary pattern embedded in Vox socks and insoles that touches specific neuropoints and other receptors in the metatarsal or ball of the foot, creating homeostasis or balance in the brainstem. 
This prime real estate in your brain is responsible for automatic functions like balance, stability, strength, power, range of motion, flexibility, mobility, and so much more. The Vox patch works in the same way, but it uses receptors on other parts of your body to elicit the same response. The moment your receptors touch this Vox technology, it opens up communication pathways throughout your unique system, allowing you to become instantly stronger, more balanced, have less pain, and increased range of motion. In short, Vox technology helps optimize the brainstem, allowing your body to self-regulate and self-heal. Vox products are non-electrical, non-invasive, have no negative side effects, no metals, magnets, or plastics, and are drug-free. Results are instant, scientifically proven, and time-tested. For a limited time, buy any two items and get one pair of socks or thin insoles free, a savings of up to $50. Contact Diane Dinkmeyer at voxlife.com for more info. That's Diane Dinkmeyer at voxlife.com. You'll be glad you did. And so how do we help people find it where they are? Find those things that are worth fighting for. I'm a pacifist, but I do believe that there are things worth fighting for. And self-definition is one of them. And I think it's probably where it starts, you know, that, you know, because we're a peculiar people. If, you know, tiny blue dot, Carl Sagan, right? If we, if we if we were seeing ourselves from the from the third from a third view, you know we'd see these people with that are that are struggling with with people who are starving, and yet there's shelves that are filled with food that'll be thrown away. Mm-hmm. You know we're a peculiar people where we see people that that lack shelter, and then we see people that have rooms in their houses that they visit once a month. Empty. You know we are very here for years. Yeah, and there are empty houses. That's right. We are peculiar. We are a peculiar. We are a peculiar creature that seems to really struggle with that balance between individual liberty and social responsibility. And I think now what we're starting to find is individual liberty and global responsibility. And so it starts with this, the individual self, you know. And that's why I always say, you know, if you're truly indigenous to North America and you truly believe that you are the first people put on the earth, then you have to be honest and say then all people on the earth are the same as me. And we're all Anishinaabe. We're all the first people. And if we're all the first people, then we have a couple inalienable rights. And one of those is the right of movement. And movement was a part of that first right that was given to all creatures on the planet to be able to move, to be able to walk this earth. If you want in every single religion, whether you're, and I'll drop the spiritual card here, whether you are indigenous to Africa, indigenous to North America, whether you are a a Christian, a Muslim, or whether you are a part of the Israelite tribe and every other spectrum in between, you all believe that there was this original person who was told to go and name everything. Well, to go and name everything means that you have to move and you have to walk and you have to experience. Now, if I tell you, And they all tell you that you have the exact same relationship on this world as that first person that we all point to in a book. Then we all have that same inalienable right, just like the right to drink fresh water, just like the right to eat food and the right to make your own shelter or find shelter. And and that's where we're struggling is for some weird reason along the way, someone stood up and said, well, no, 
can't do that anymore. So we feel restless. <laughs> and we're and we're starting to return that. You see people today, they, they don't want to keep the same job. They don't want to stay in the same area. They don't want to accept nonsense because they're starting to understand that they're humans. They're human beings. They're not cattle. And that struggle coming out of the pandemic of um, how do how do you do the movement when you're restricted from doing the movement for something that you can't control and nobody can control and I'm not even sure the science understands it because we get so many different messages and there is no clear direction so it makes it more difficult to find that clear path um, and keep moving and keep moving. Like Henry said, you get arrested if you get outside your house in some countries. Um, so we're, we're, we're kind of in a prison of our own making, uh, of our culture's own making. And I think if you look at every country, you will see some elements of that that uh, we have imprisoned ourselves uh, by the way we've constructed our systems, not just work systems, but the global systems and the country now, system and the power. this is changeable. Yes. And this is changeable. Yes. It all started, it all started with, you know, it's interesting, you know, power and control is just a thought. Someone had a thought, right? And then they executed it with an action. And, and initially there was not a lot of people this way because initially you had a family and then families grew to multiple families, grew to many families, grew to many communities. And somewhere along that, that way, that, that kindness and love, which led everything, relationship and family was replaced by power and control. And so if we get enough people just focused more on kindness and love and, and trying to focus on your families, the things that really matter, right? And, and on the things that sustain you that really matter, like the environment around us, because last I checked, you know, once nature disappears, so do we. Right. And if, and if yeah. anyone doubts how important nature is, and you tell me the logistical cost to go grow a 300 year old tree on Mars or on the moon, and, and I'll tell you the value of that tree that you want to cut down for in, in three minutes, because it just, it just blocks the sun from your window. And then you wonder why you feel an unhealthy and imbalanced. You're at, at a war with the world that you're in. Spiritually, physically, everybody else controls you. All these bills control your actions. So you got to restructure your life. Go simpler. Do you really need so much space? Or do you need more time with people? Or do you need more time with yourself? Do you need a little bit of a balance amongst all that? I think so. And, and do something for somebody else. Self with a capital S. Yes. Right. It's not selfish to be self-focused. And if you right. really think about it, and this I think is a really important message for people to hear, is that when we're talking about first people globally, every single human being walking the planet today is the first person. I hesitate to say the first man. I take gender out of it, but it, it's the first person. Each one of us is the first person the day we are born. You're uniquely you. There's no other you on the planet. You are the first person. You get to go around and name things now. 
on your terms, in your language. Exactly. And it all starts with a universal gift that we have as human beings that I don't think any other living being on the planet has, at least not in the same way that humans do. And that's our imagination and our capacity to dream. That's where it begins. And if you're stuck in a prison cell of whatever making, whether it's imposed on you or whether it's of your own devising for whatever reason out of fear, your imagination is free, is freedom. You can move in your imagination. If you can't go out and plant your feet on the, on the green grass, your bare feet, it's called earthing, look it up. Um, you can do it in your imagination. Yes. And if you form a practice of connecting with that self with a capital S, which is made up of every single person who has ever lived before you, who is in your blood and in your DNA. So not only are you you, but you carry along with you the dreams and imaginations of your ancestors. And the, your dream life is the way that you connect with them. You ask as you're falling asleep, you close your eyes and you say, come to me, bring me wisdom, help guide me through this. And look at the images that come to you in your dreams. Maybe it's lucid dreaming where it's more like you're imagining, you're seeing a movie in your head. And sometimes you don't quite remember it, but it still carries the scent or a sense of, of what you dreamed. You wake up with a certain feeling, right? And in your dream world, you are in control, right? If you, have, if you meet a scary monster in your dream, just whip out your magic wand and turn it into a cupcake and gobble him up. Right? You can do that in your dreams. You can do that in your imagination, which is why the foundation years are so important in the mm -hmm. development of children and teaching them the power that they have through their own imagination. Every idea, every invention that's ever been invented, every great thought, every great book, every great house design, toy, it all started in someone's imagination, didn't it? We are, we are creators. And we look around and see the, the hell we create or the heaven we, we create. And we do have the ability to create some, you know, heaven on this earth. We see it in healthy families to children with loving parents. Your, your, mem your memories in your life of heaven is, is being in those experiences. And you can go back into the old homes that you were there and cry, right? But, you know, it's sort of like, uh, you know, praying to your creator and saying, why can't you create a better life for me? Right. Well, I would assume that the creator would look at you and say, you know, in that regard, I'm not who you think I am. You are who you think I am. Right. You are the creator of your life. And the sooner you realize that that gift has been given to you, that you in many ways you're created in the creator's image because you can make things better. You go to the woods and everything around you just chooses to exist in the environment that it's in. When it's cold, they shiver, right? And when it's warm, they find shade. But we have the ability to actually change the environment for the better, which is an incredible gift or an incredible tragedy when we don't do it with the temperance, with the restraint of our heart and how it may impact somebody else. So is, uh, what you just said is exactly right. We are, the, we are the creative, the most creative creatures on this planet. Well, maybe other than, uh, other than spiders, but that's a whole nother story. 
And well, uh, yeah, they all we're all related. I mean, even even the plant kingdom, we share something like thirty percent generally of our DNA with the plant kingdom, right? And yeah. animals too. You know, bananas we share sixty percent of our DNA with, right? So there's got to be a little bit of creativity in there. Right. But we're all connected. That's the point. You know, when when I hear people who are and bless them, they are they are so. Uh, convicted to their to their faith and I have great respect for the discipline that that requires in this world um and and they say all power to God all power to the creator what what for me is missing in that expression is I'm part of that power I'm part of that creator that creator in me hi I'm Yvonne Johansson and this is My Little House. My Little House is an interactive, multi-sensory, educational felt toy that I invented to help develop children's language skills. I love My Little House. I've been working as a speech therapist for over 20 years. So then I just thought, wouldn't it be great if I could just take this one-dimensional board and make it into an actual three-dimensional toy? How cool would that be? That's the idea behind My Little House. You can spread it out flat like a four-panel felt board, or here's the cool part. In the blink of an eye, My Little House easily converts into a three-dimensional reversible house. My Little House comes with 36 felt cutout pieces that match outlines in eight colorful rooms. And they're felt, so they stick. Each piece inside My Little House has been placed with purpose. But My Little House isn't just for kids on the spectrum or with significant disorders. It's also for typically developing two to five-year-olds. It's a fun toy. I always say to my kids, when you get stuck, you have to ask for help. Can you tell me what you see on top of the refrigerator? I know that My Little House is going to make a difference in thousands of children's lives. I just need your help in getting it out there. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about My Little House, My Little Farm, My Little Zoo, and other Smart Felt Toys, visit www.smartfelttoys.com. Your generous sponsorship and individual support of the Lost Traveler podcast benefits the Lost Travelers Club, a charitable project under the fiscal sponsorship of United Charitable, a nonprofit 501c3 organization. The Lost Travelers Club focuses primarily on the needs of parents who have outlived their beloved children. We recently launched our new Brain Candy Project wing, providing art supplies to children still struggling with critical or terminal health-related conditions. We hope to raise enough funds to launch Brain Candy, an arts and literature magazine created by and for these young people. Find out more at www.braincandy.online. Thank you. If we all say in one way or another that we're a reflection of the divine, right? Created in God's image. Who are we not to be the most creative force in the universe? That is the reflection. That's what the gifts we have. We can create life. We can foster. When I, 
and when you and when you seek out love when you seek out love and you want the the warmth of the creation around you for some reason the grandma will give you a hug for some reason your child will want a hug you know it's all around us you know for some reason that that dog will come sit on your lap and give you love everything around us is about that relationship and so i think that's probably what if you back to the beginning is circling back and saying what's really important for you in this life is it accumulating things that are going to disappear in a landfill or is it accumulating uh, good and, to, and and that is a daily approach of of good thoughts you know good words and good steps and that's you know, hard your hands, your... that is so hard to teach to children when we have holidays like christmas and hanukkah where it's all about the stuff yeah. It's all about the next best thing that you can accumulate. Um, I just had a conversation today with a young woman who's 19. Um, she lost a leg when she was eight years old. And for the last, I don't know, maybe nine years, she's been dealing with brain tumors that cause her no end of pain and, and discomfort and uh, depression. And she lost her mother two years ago, right? So she's going through this, this horrific experience. Um, you can read about her on, on losttravelers.club, our website. Um, she was the first recipient of one of our candy boxes, which is a box of art supplies that we donate. This is what our sponsorship of the podcast goes toward, is, is uh, providing art supplies to young people who are dealing with critical times, critical illness, to give them voice, to give them a creative outlet. And one of the things that we were talking about just today uh, was that she, she wants more. When she's feeling pain, when she's feeling depressed, stuff helps her. Accumulating stuff helps her. She's always asking for another package, another package, another package, or somebody send me a blanket. She's got like 12 blankets, right? She doesn't need them. But they, and this is, I think the point is that, that this is reflected in all of us. How many people start hoarding to surround themselves with stuff as, as a buffer to the rest of the world, right? And it starts young, these messages. So even if you don't have children and you are an adult in the world, you are of the parenting generation. You are the one that children are looking to for how to be in the world. And so we all carry a burden of responsibility so, to be a model for kids in that sense. Go ahead, Mide. In, yeah, in our culture, in the indigenous culture of the Pembina Chippewa, the Anishinaabe, every single year, once a year, you would take every single thing you own and you would 100% give it to somebody else. Yep. What we're feeling today, that's right, we're filling a void with things while there are people who need things. And what that is, we're filling a calling. And we don't know that it's a calling. When we feel we need something, we're actually being told to give something. But we don't know when we, when we think we're hungry, but we're really thirsty. And we think we're thirsty, but we're really, we are confused because we are so detached from the creation that surrounds us and even ourselves. And so one of the things we do is those things. It's called a giving ceremony and it was done every single year. And so you would literally be standing there with nothing at times, having total faith. Now, one of the things that I read that helps me is, is, you know, our initial story about the first man. You can say person, you can say human, you can say whatever you want, but it's this source progenitor. And if this person was walking emptily on the world, 
what would that be like, right? And, and how thankful we are today that we don't have to walk in an empty world, but wouldn't it be even more kind if we walked with kindness with each other? Imagine what that would be like. And so then that little saying, do unto others as you want them to do to you. Well, that's actually an action. It's a request for an action. And it has a lot of force. You know, how forceful is the emotion of anger? If I stand up in a crowded room and flip a table and scream and yell, it's causes division. Everybody goes separate ways, right? Or if you stand up and you say, you know what? I love you. What does that do? It, it causes unity. So we got to change our focus, change our perception and understand we're probably, we're probably coping for something we're not doing. And if we yeah. start doing, we'll stop coping in unhealthy ways. And psychologically, the way that starts, and you're talking about change, is, you know, I consider myself a cognitive behavioral therapist. And by that, it means that you change your life, you change what you do by changing your mind, by looking at things from a new and different perspective, um, like metamorphosis. You know, starts out as an egg and ends up at a butterfly, uh, goes through all these stages, but we have the same capacity. Change our worldview, learn to look at things differently and don't get so stuck in what I think is the right way. There's more than one way to get to St. Louis, I say, and everyone's going to get there differently. And But the point is that we take that action and do it. doesn't matter if we do it all the same. But we've got to start to change, and the change starts within ourselves. Uh, the Bible word for it was metanoia, which metamorphosis comes from, which means, which means change, turning around, a literal turning around and seeing things from a different perspective, changing your mind. And psychologically, we have to learn to be open to that change and see things a little differently and be willing to adapt. Well, as the Marines say, improvise, adapt and overcome what we're living. And that requires an openness. And it's that openness to new ideas, new thought processes, new adventures, new movement uh, to get us outside the box. It's no mistake that Facebook just renamed themselves Meta. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about Meta. It's all about metamorphosis, right? And looking for new ways to be together, even in the box of social media. Yeah. There are ways to circumvent it. We're the ones in control of it, yep. not the other way around. And if we just open our eyes to that, that there are forces outside of us that are trying to control, maybe it's a corporation, maybe it's an individual, maybe it's a social media mogul, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's Hollywood or Bollywood. They're trying to control us from outside. When we recognize that we are actually the ones in control, that they are dependent on our giving over our power and our creativity and our thought processes and our imaginations to them. They're even telling us what to imagine now, right? Imagine so, that. Simple <laughs> act of waking up, not in a woke way, but waking up, actually breaking the spell yourself and recognizing that you are the pivotal force for change in your life. And it starts in your imagination. Not everybody out there can make these changes. Not everybody out there can go out and move in the world. 
physically, but you can do anything in your imagination and in your dreams. And that's a really, I'm glad we came to that, that point in this discussion because that's where freedom lies for all of us individually and for humanity. That to me is the Messiah. We are the Messiah, we're already the Messiah. And we all wake up and recognize our power to, for kindness and goodness and truth and beauty in the world. Then that's the promise, that's what we've all been waiting for. But it starts, like you said, Sherry, within each one of us. Well, I wanna thank you both for being here today. And um, I'm gonna end this with a, a song that Mide uh, has, has pre-recorded for us uh, about the first person and uh, what he was talking about. The prophet came to the people to instruct them on how to live better and to remember the first man and his journey in his life, which is their journey in this life. That first man was told by the Creator to go and name every plant, animal, object, and aspect of life on the earth and in the seas. This was as much a continuation of that first encounter at creation, when that first man was told, I give you life by his Creator itself. Now this first man is told, go and travel the world and learn its boundaries and name everything. Travel the world, name everything, who after doing so lived the life of love. When the journey of that first man was concluded, he returned to the first woods. He spoke to his creator. After a lifetime traveling the world, across the vastness that he had spread his children, then the creator said to the first man standing in the first woods, while the birds were heard singing, and who are you? To which the first man reflected and replied in words like poetry, in the telling of who one is, of his life as a child, of that of his ancestors' prayers, of how he saw himself. He ended, I am love. To which the creator said, that is why you are chief of all these things, because you carry the crown in your mind, but you guide your words, thoughts, and actions by the constraints of a loving heart. Be a chief walking in wisdom of love and truth, humility, respect, honesty, and the courage to do what is right. As kindness is the power and peace, Enduring all things, in all ways, in all places, in every step, every word, every thought. Love. Unity. And the first man knew because there was only one creator. So we must speak for the tree, for the water, for the earth, for the people, and all living things. We must honor human life as we honor our own hearts. Honoring all life, plants, animals that fill the measure of nature. And as you give respect to another man, give equally to his property, which is the same as to the creation of the creator. Honor yourself as you protect your own eye and keep it pure so you can see. And in all these things be fair and just in every degree. After a life of speaking these things, to his family, his people, the first people upon the earth. The first man laid down. The 
first man again in the first woods with the one creator and the whole world watching this first man die, the creator again spoke. You are a chief over creation that I have made. Is this experience leaving this grain of sand painted across your face? Is this love? The first man breathed and sang. The sound approaches, the thunderbird draws near. The entire world weeps. I will go home. I will go home. The birds are heard singing. I will go home. I will go home. The creator spoke. I give you life. The prophet taught the people they are equally loved, equally in union with the one creator, to live for good in the world through good thoughts, words, and deeds, equal as that first man, saying, I am love, a chief in creation. And these are the degrees in a life well lived in this cocoon. You are life, live it. Travel the world, its furthest boundaries, name everything. Who are you? Experience it, your childhood, your ancestors and their prayers, yourself and yours. You are love. Be a chief steward of life within creation, walking in these teachings of the wisdom of love, humility and truth, respect and honesty, true courage to do what is right. As kindness is the power and peace, endure all things in all ways, in all places, in every step, every word, every thought. Love, unity, speak for the trees, speak for the water, speak for the people and all living things. Be a teacher of kindness. Thank you all. And thanks, listeners. You can go and check out our previous episodes in this series for Indigenous Peoples Month. Uh, keep looking us, looking for us, share us. Uh, the more people listening, the, the better we are. And if you'd like to become a sponsor, um, all proceeds go to benefit kids like Emma who uh, are struggling for their own lives and, and uh it gives them the gift of, of their own self-expression. So it's only 200 bucks a year. And for advertising costs, that's a drop in the bucket for a lot of businesses. So help us out, help yourself out. Nothing feels better than giving, especially this time of year. Well, Thanks a lot, thank Sherry. Thank you, Henry. Thanks a lot, Day. Yeah. And we'll talk to you again soon. Yes. Miigwech. Miigwech. You've been listening to season two of the Lost Traveler podcast with Henry Cameron Allen. Visit me online at www.henryallen.org. Thank you to my guests and thank you for tuning in. Let's keep striving for a better world together. Mm -hmm.